why would you rely on Heimdall to check in on Jane? He could be looking at another Jane, like Jane Fonda or something. <laughs> to be fair, her life would be more entertaining. Thor gets his daily update. Jane's filming a Netflix show. Why? <laughs> Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Mamie. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. So, Aim, how are you feeling today? Depends on when you ask me that question. While I was watching the movie, not so good. Now, pretty good. And why is that? Because I've been drinking. <laughs> Much like Thor in uh, Avengers Endgame, everyone, Amy requires a little bit of alcohol to discuss Thor the Dark World today. Not a little. A fair <laughs> amount. Yes, I understand. You know what? It's been months since I've had a drink. I've been trying to be good and healthy, live a clean life, you know, and this movie has driven me to drink. <laughs> I have not had the feeling of wanting alcohol till I was watching this movie today. See, for me, it's a little different. I live right next to a highway. It's right behind my house and about a mile down the road, there's an overpass being built and I can see it right out my window. And I'll tell you this, if I have to watch this movie again, I'm going to jump off of it. <laughs> so this movie, and I, I use that word loosely, uh, directed <laughs> by Alan Taylor and somehow, people, somehow written by Marcus and McFeely, along with a guy named Christopher Yost. Wait, this movie was actually written? Apparently. Uh-huh. Yeah, we love Marvel, everyone. Obviously, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we didn't. But anyone who defends this movie is at a level of denial I never want to experience. They certainly used their CGI budget to the fullest. They did. Forgot about the script in the process. But yeah, it definitely looks better than the first Thor, for sure. Absolutely. But I have to say this. They took the name of the movie a bit too seriously. I needed a fucking flashlight through half the movie. <laughs> yes, and I think that's partly the influence of Alan Taylor coming from Game of Thrones world. No, this is pre-season eight Game of Thrones, so I wouldn't say Game of Thrones influenced that too much. I do think they were trying to go gritty. Yeah, I just mean his style, you know? Okay, yeah. So we're covering this movie right now, obviously, because... As of today, because Loki drops in four weeks. Uh-huh. And we just needed a refresher for everything Loki. Well, beyond that, this is also more his movie than it is Thor's. You say that for every movie he's in. No, Ragnarok is Thor's movie. Hallelujah. So we're going to have fun with this, people, because there are bright spots. It is entertaining at times, but we're really going to have some fun Roasting this bitch like a marshmallow. 
Yeah, you know, honestly, as a standalone movie, it's not bad. But as an MCU movie, it's bad. Yes, yes. And it is also, for all intents and purposes and plot-wise in the Loki series, erased. Yeah, pretty much. But it may still factor in psychologically. All right, are you ready to dive in? Yeah. Yeah, I need some more alcohol. (laughs) So we open this movie much like we did the first with a little Anthony Hopkins voiceover. Mm -hmm. You can't have Anthony Hopkins and not do a voiceover, an epic voiceover. Yeah, I got to agree with you there. And we get our introduction to Malekith. Mm -hmm. And he is a dark elf who wants to make Asgard go night-night forevers. He wants the entire universe to go night-night forever. Yeah, and his reasons for this are unclear and will remain so. Infinite destruction, blah, blah. No, his reasons are not unclear. He just wants things to be the way they were. He existed when light didn't exist. He wants everything to go back to darkness. That's it. (laughs) Okay. Sure. That's a thing. Okay. Well, if if the universe created five infinity stones and can kill half the population, then there can be darkness without light. All right. Or he could put on sunglasses. Anyway. We have this creature, the Cursed, who's some kind of super elf. They're they're elves on steroids, basically. Yeah. So the deal is they can only unleash the ether and destroy worlds during this time of convergence when all nine realms are aligned. Yes, and that happens every 5,000 years. Apparently. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like it, you know? Except without an entertaining killer clown. Okay, I haven't seen it. I will not comment. Do not talk about it anymore. Thank you very much. (laughs) So now that the convergence is happening again in this dumbass movie, (laughs) Malekith shall come back and wage war upon the earth in order to make it go night-night. Not just on the earth. On everything. Yeah. Yeah, but that's where they're going to end up. So he's a little pissy because Asgard won the first war, killed all the Dark Elves, but he survived sacrificing all of his people in the process. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to restart a a civilization. Kill everyone. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, That's going to come back later where I have some questions. (laughs) (laughs) So... Asgard decided, you know, we'll pull a Van Helsing. Let's bury this shit deep where nobody can find it. But Jane comes along. Oh, Jane, you little scamp. And she finds that either. (laughs) Well, the reason I say that now is because that's about all Jane's good for in this movie. And it's not her fault. Yes, we will get to her. I am a bit miffed at how underutilized she was. And I do not blame her for leaving. Yes. Now, this little intro gives us our first major problem of the movie. Amy, do you know what I have never given a single shit about? The Dark Elves? Ding, ding, ding! We have a winner. (laughs) 
Yeah. And for for those of you who have watched this movie without the Dark Elf subtitles, don't worry. They don't help. You're not missing anything. Yeah, you'd think that, you know, they learn a language or two in several millennia of just waiting for the <laughs> darkness. At least, at least be productive with your time. Right. You know? Yeah. It's all about preparing for the future. Now, speaking of futures, Loki's looks a little bleak to start this movie as he comes in judgment before daddy. Yes. And I'm glad that you mentioned the Game of Thrones connection, because when he comes in, it reminded me of Tyrion coming in for his trial. Ah, OK. Except that had more gravitas and stakes and was better written. And then things went to shit. But we will not talk about that. <laughs> I think of something different during this scene. Mm -hmm. I actually think of this scene every day, but not for the normal reasons one would think who have listened to this show before. No. No comment. Go on. The salute here cracks me up every time. So my little monster, my little husky border collie mix, Natasha, is nearly two years old now. And she is the most stubborn, dramatic little monster you could ever meet. And she's fully aware of the rules of the house. She knows she has to sit on her tush before she goes outside to play in the backyard. Knows it and resents it. So she always sits at the door in the most mocking, reluctant way possible, just slamming her front paws down on the floor and giving me this ridiculous face of mock salute. And every time she does it, I crack up because it's never not hilarious. <laughs> but as you said here, the stakes are very different. Yes. Loki wasn't in any mortal danger. He just got a tongue lashing. Um, he gets quite a bit more than a tongue lashing. I mean, he's sent to prison. Yeah, he's sentenced to a lifetime in the dungeon. That's quite a bit more than a tongue lashing. Yeah, but a very comfortable dungeon. And yes, frankly, at this point of time in this scenario, isn't everyone in their own respective dungeons? <laughs> You know, as tongue lashings go, though, it's a good one. This is one of Hopkins' best lines in all three movies. Your birthright was to die. Yeah, that's true. Very powerful. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. This dynamic, it always will be. Because it's so relatable. You know, they're both right about the situation in different ways. Loki... In Invading Earth, he did the same thing Odin did many times in trying to conquer another world. And Odin pulls a do as I say, not as I do, not recognizing his own hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's partly why Loki really didn't think he was going to get more than that tongue lashing, you know? Right. He is quite surprised by this punishment. And Odin tells him, you know, huh, mom's the only reason you're still alive, buddy. Yeah, that's kind of like rubbing salt in the wounds at that point. Yes, and the fact that, you know, Thor, that witless oaf will become king. That is such a British insult. It's wonderful. <laughs> well, he's not quite so witless as he was. He's certainly grown. That's true. And that's another 
good part of this movie, the sibling rivalry continuing. It's also super relatable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So one thing I want to mention here, and this is something we may see the writers deal with in the Loki series, especially since we've seen him using magic we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. There's a disconnect between the powers we've seen Loki use in the MCU versus the powers he had in the comics. So based on his comic powers, the Avengers never should have been able to capture him the way they did in the first place. These chains and whatnot shouldn't be holding him. He's an extremely powerful being. So I'll use the word that Amy introduced to me a few weeks ago. He has been nerfed more than probably <laughs> any other character in the MCU. They've barely scratched the surface of the powers he has in the comics. Yeah, well, I think that is something that they will address in the Loki show. It could be a couple of reasons. One, he is still fairly young, uh, according to at least Asgardian lifespans. So maybe he's still learning. And it could also be that the chains and the handcuffs that they use in the movie is magic dampening. Maybe. Maybe. And Frigga would have had to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think that they will address it. Or maybe this variant in particular is not as powerful as the other variants of Loki. Maybe. All right. So now we have to head over to Vanaheim, where Thor is putting the Nine Realms back in order. Have you ever noticed that there are too many Heims? It's hard to keep them all straight, especially when we're given so little reason to care about any of them. <laughs> so we have Vanaheim, Jotunheim, Heimdall, and Svartalfheim. And yeah, the fuck was that? Yeah, Heim. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, there are too many Heims. Yeah, so we're in battle here with some creatures. This is one of those things where you can kind of yada, yada, yada over with this movie. Yeah, this is uh, just, this is some stupid insurrection that the Idiots 3, no, I'm sorry, Warriors 3, are trying to sort out. And Thor comes in, breaks the stone guy, they all go back and enjoy a nice drink. As there I you am, go. like now. The, I think the main purpose of this scene is to show everyone that they can relax. Don't worry. Hemsworth looks much better in this movie than the previous ones. You know, I have a complaint. Which is? Why is Thor always covered up in those long-ass drapes? <laughs> I mean, you are taking your biggest asset and covering him up in bedsheets. This is true. Yeah. If you have a guy who's worked so hard to be so muscly, least you can do is let him show it off a little bit. Yeah, it's for him. Yeah, totally. How altruistic of you, Amy. I'm <laughs> I'm a very considerate person, okay? I like people <laughs> to shine bright. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. 
So as I said, Hemsworth looks great in this movie with his much more natural hair. It's mostly his hair, just a little extensions added on to it. Yes, I still do think that he looks the best in Ragnarok, though. Well, just when we think they've got their shit figured out, then we see Zach Levi as Fandral here and we just punch ourselves in the face. Because why? To be fair, he's kind of a upgrade compared to Fandral version 1.0. Still, I'm sorry, was there a shortage of blonde actors in Hollywood at the time that you had to find this dark-haired, dark-eyed, olive-skinned dude and bleach him? Why? Why? For a nothing character no one cares about anyway, but now it's an annoying distraction. Yeah, well, Josh Dallas is a bit more blonde and light-eyed compared to this guy for sure. Yeah. I wonder why they didn't bring him back. They probably realized how terrible he was. Well, he dodged a bullet, that's for sure. That's true. Good for him, I say. I wonder how Zachary Levi must be feeling about this movie. I think he's counting his Shazam money. I don't think he's worried about it. Well, that's true. Yeah. So we're back on Asgard now. Thor is just kind of mopey moping around. And Odin comes out with one of my absolute favorite lines in the MCU as, you know, Thor's telling him what a great daddy is, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you must think I'm a piece of bread that needs to be buttered so heavily. <laughs> My husband and I say that one to each other whenever we know the other wants something. <laughs> I like that. I think I'll use that. It's a great line. And I'm going to say that a few times in this episode. There are some great lines. The problem is none of them belong to Thor. Well, true. And also the stuff between the lines is not that great either. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what, Thor? Good job. Gold star. You've brought peace to the nine realms. Yes. And he did it fairly efficiently. Yeah. Yeah. So good on him. And this conversation really sets a tone for Odin throughout this movie. And it really creates a problem. Because in order for us to care about this movie at all, to care about what's happening, to have any stakes, we have to be invested in Asgard emotionally. And the issues with that are one, as in the first movie, there is no world building here. Yes, absolutely. And two, the leader of Asgard is a bastard who hates humans. <laughs> yes, we will get to that in a bit when Jane is being examined. Yeah, well, but, it really yeah. starts here because Thor's moping and his father's telling him human lives are meaningless. They're so fleeting, which is. Incredibly, again, hypocritical, given that he just sent his other son to the dungeon for trying to conquer those people. I don't know if it's hypocritical. I just think he probably thinks that ruling humans is beneath him or his family. <laughs> that, makes it, that makes it even worse, I think. I agree. I agree. But I'm just trying to understand where he's coming from. It's not necessary that I agree with him. Yeah. And now we get one of the best moments in the movie. Yes, indeed. It is the one bright spot in this movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. Thor decides to wash up. And I think he needs to do that more. Not because he's a dirty man. Just 
It's good to be clean. <laughs> David Thor, don't you know you got to sing happy birthday? We need you shirtless for at least 20 seconds. That's how it's done. Good hygiene is important, especially in times like mm. these. So Thor is missing Jane for reasons I'll never understand and can't enjoy his party as a result. Yeah, he's certainly not enjoying his party, but I'm enjoying my one woman party over here. Um, I may have added a little more alcohol to my drink. <laughs> and Lady Sif here is kind of having a one woman party too. I like that she's not overtly pining away for Thor. I'd throw up if she was because we'll talk about Jane. <laughs> I think Sif is genuinely concerned for his well-being and for Asgard too. She's a loyal warrior. We've seen that. And I think she knows that Thor doesn't want to be king and then has to wonder what will that mean for Asgard? Yeah, true. And also she does like him. It's it's subtly done, and that goes to show Jamie Alexander is far more talented than given credit for in the MCU. Yes, the criminally underutilized Jamie Alexander. Hey, all the women in this movie are criminally underutilized, okay? Yes, and my question is, if Thor misses Jane so goddamn much, why doesn't he just go down and see her now? I know, right? What's he waiting for? Exactly. He's just sitting around. Yeah. I mean, he could just pop in, yeah. shag her, and come back. <laughs> and that is part one of our segment, This Doesn't Make Any Fucking Sense. Yeah, I mean, it could be a flying visit every mm -hmm. now and then. It's not like he has to pay airline fees or something like that, you know, every time he goes and meets her. Very true. I wouldn't mind my own Bifrost right now. <laughs> I think for you that might be dangerous because you might end up in a certain Englishman's house. That would not be good. For whom? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be just fine. Anyway. I can hear the restraining order being typed up right now. <laughs> So now we come to one very tiny bright spot in this movie, and that is Mr. Chris O'Dowd, who I just have to give a little round of applause to. I love that man. I'm happy to see him in anything. Yeah, he is kind of charming, isn't he? He is, very much so. And poor guy is in attendance at the world's most awkward date. Hey, the whole Ralph Boner thing wins hands down as the most awkward date, okay? <laughs> You're right. You're right. Monica Rambo would definitely agree. Yes. She would be glad to have lunch with this dude. Well, it's not his fault it's awkward. It's Jane's fault because it's not even Jane's fault. It's the writer's fault for making <laughs> Jane pine away for Thor for two fucking years. Kill yeah, me. so... Yeah, so here's the thing. Okay, I understand. Chris Hemsworth, he's a handsome man. And yes. I would certainly pine for him. Absolutely. But Jane was this super intelligent scientist who was independent, didn't need a man, 
didn't need any authority figures or any or any of that bullshit. She was focused on her work and she was damn good at it. Yeah, she's doing just fine. Yeah. And now we see her and she's a complete mess. Yeah, apparently she hasn't been showering or taking care of herself. She's just been super gross living at her mom's house. For two years. Yeah. They assassinated her character. That is an excellent way to put it. It's infuriating, you know? Yeah, she is nothing more than a tool in this movie to further the arcs of two men. Plain and simple. Yes, all the women in this movie have been that. Yes, and we need to mention one of those women. So this movie is a lot like New York, walking through New York in high summer, when it's just garbage and B.O. and God knows what else in the air. But then every once in a while, you walk past a great deli and for just a few seconds, it smells amazing. Mm-hmm. That's Kat Dennings. <laughs> yeah, she's fantastic. She is said deli. Yes, agreed. And it's important to note that Darcy is the one doing the goddamn work in this movie. Yeah, pretty much. She is the one who tells Jane something is up. She managed to get herself an intern, intern square, if you will. Yeah, because she's doing the work and needs the help. She's been watching the instruments. Jane hasn't even been caring about her work. Yeah. If nothing else, at least she'd be looking at it to see when Thor shows up again. Yeah. And as you said, Darcy hires herself that intern. Baller move. But still, nobody gets her any goddamn coffee until she gets to Westview. Thank you, Jimmy Woo. Yeah, and moving forward, she does a lot of the work, too. If it weren't for her, the team wouldn't have gotten back together. No. No. And part of the team is running naked through Stonehenge. (laughs) Eric Selvig is a fantastic character, played absolutely brilliantly by Stellan Skarsgård. I love him. I always will in anything he's in. Yeah, he is fantastic. He brings such great levity to this. And I give him credit. He really did not want to do this scene. They really had to talk him into it. So, okay, so this gets me confused. Stellan Skarsgård didn't want to do this scene. Presumably because he didn't want to streak like a crazy person. Correct. So why did they force him to do this? For the plot, for him to be at this mental institute... All he needed to do was run around like a lunatic saying the same bullshit that he was and he would have been arrested. He didn't need to be naked. Because this movie desperately needs comic relief to be watchable. That's why. And man running naked is the comic relief they decided to go with. Yeah, yeah. Again, script, not the strong suit for this one. There were a lot of different ways they could have gone. No idea why they went the ways they did. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Skarsgård did a good job in any case. 
So we're sticking around London. We got to head over to this warehouse. And I'll tell you this, if I'm ever in a foreign country and I want to ease people's minds around me, the last thing I'm going to yell out is, it's okay, we're Americans. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Chances are people will duck and cover. Yeah, I would toss around like some A's and sorries and pretend to be Canadian. That might buy me five minutes with my accent, if for no other reason than confusion. (laughs) So I never noticed this before, and it really pissed me off. Jane makes it clear to the kids that she's the only scientist, even though Darcy's been working with her for a few years now, clearly uprooted her life to continue working with her and has actually been paying attention to the damn instruments. And that's where they're using Darcy Lewis again as comic relief. Yeah, and she's like, thanks. And you know what? I'm even happier now that she becomes Dr. Lewis, a renowned astrophysicist in her own right. Suck it, Jane. I hope she gets a Nobel Prize and you don't. (laughs) She who has been wallowing in her pajamas has no right to be condescending. And for someone who's so insistent that she's she's the only scientist over here, she's not actually taking pride in her work. She's just kind of following no. along. Yeah. So she follows along straight into the site of the convergence. Whoopsie do. She finds the ether. It enters her body and knocks her out. Yes. And then we get this scene where she's kind of in, in this red thing and she's floating and did you notice her clothes no it's hard enough to keep focus for this movie i did not she's wearing the same clothes that she does when she's in towards the end of the movie when malekith is taking the ether from her and she has that same floaty sort of vision it's almost like they copy pasted the scene in because it makes no sense for her to be dressed as an Asgardian while she's still just taking the ether in. You're right. I'm picturing that now. And you know, there are a number of problems like that in this movie. The editing is a mess. Yeah, it is. And I think that they put in stuff that they shouldn't have and left out stuff yes. that they shouldn't have. So we've seen the deleted scenes of the movie. And there was one particular scene earlier on when Thor is not really enjoying the party, everyone throws their mugs and screams, another! And he keeps the mug back on the table. It's a small scene. It could have easily have been inserted there to show that it's not just he's pining for her, but he's also adapting the earthly customs. You know, it's more than just he has the hots for her. And there were also a number of rewrites going on, too, because when they first finished this movie, Loki was supposed to die at the end of this, and the test audience revolted. So they had to rewrite. Hey, were you in the test audience? (laughs) So they had to rewrite the ending of this movie and little bits here and there. And they they missed a couple parts, and there are some things that don't quite add up. It's just like haphazardly slapped together with Elmer's glue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they could have easily taken that one bit out. She didn't need to have that vision-y sort of experience at this point. No. And it's not like anybody cares. It makes no difference. 
True, and it's so damn dark over there. You can't see. Maybe that's maybe that's why the editors missed it. They couldn't see. So uh, this also triggers the uh, phone alarm Malekith set up for himself on his little ship here. <laughs> yeah, it's like the burglar alarm. Yep, time to destroy the world again. Or try. Yeah, true. And another, another huge problem for this movie. At no point do I find Malekith threatening or scary. Ever. Yeah, well, to be fair, Christopher Eccleston didn't exactly give his 100%. No, I might be more afraid of him in real life than Malekith, honestly. He's known as quite the douche. <laughs> yes, he is. And he was super unhappy about playing this character. I can't blame him for that, but... Yeah, and he does look ridiculous. But, you know, again, I have one complaint with the makeup department here. What is that? They didn't really need to do much with the ears. They could have saved so much time. <laughs> so now we head back to Asgard, and I've got a question. I've got a question about Heimdall here. Does he ever get a fucking break? Does he get to sit down? I was feeling my inner George Costanza watching this again. I'm like, you know what? I want to get this guy a chair. Yeah, and you know, maybe a little, some furniture around him. Just a little comfort. There's so much space around him. Yeah, I feel like he could multitask a little bit. Yeah, sure. And it's not like he needs to look out all the time. He can look anywhere and and just kind of peep on everyone. Yeah, invade everyone's privacy. Does he work for Santa Claus? You know, Santa Claus in this movie would make more sense. <laughs> Evil Santa Claus instead of Dark Elves. That's a movie. Well, they do already have the white hair. All they needed yeah. to do was grow the beard. Yeah. You know, and the elves are, well, the elves. So rather than go down and see Jane himself, Thor's just going to shoot the breeze with Heimdall and talk about Heimdall looking at her instead. Yeah, that makes things a bit iffy for me. It's like, it's like you have a restraining order. <laughs> from Mr. Hiddleston and you tell me <laughs> to stalk him on your behalf. <laughs> the difference being Jane actually wants to see Thor, would like him to come visit her. Yes, and why would you not want to see the woman you love yourself? Like, why yeah. go via via? Yeah, he doesn't go until Heimdall loses sight of her and then is like, uh-oh. Yeah, and why would you rely on Heimdall to check in on Jane? He could be looking at another Jane, like Jane Fonda or something. <laughs> to be fair, her life would be more entertaining. <laughs> Thor gets his daily update. Jane's filming a Netflix show. Why? <laughs> So it turns out when Jane gets lost in there, she's gone for five hours. So Darcy did the reasonable thing and called the cops. Mm -hmm. And when Jane came back, she was pissed off. And then it starts raining, as it does in London, like every five seconds. Pretty much. But it doesn't rain around her. Because, dun dun dun, mm -hmm. finally, yes. our hero arrives. No, 
it doesn't rain around her because of the ether. Oh, is that why? Yes. <laughs> I've seen this movie like 10 times. Never realized that. I thought he was just keeping her dry. I didn't know. <laughs> you think, what What did you think was happening? He put, he basically sent Mjolnir out as an umbrella for her? Why not? Would it be the most ridiculous thing to happen in this movie? No, not by a long shot. True. It would be the chivalrous thing to do and not tell Heimdall to peek on his girlfriend. So Thor shows up and thinks he's going to get a hero's welcome, but instead, slap. Yeah, that hurt. I'm sure that hurt. Yes, considering Natalie Portman did it about 32 times, I imagine it did. 32? Seriously? That's like a real number? That's a real number. She had a lot of trouble slapping both of them for this, which is because Hemsworth and Hiddleston are both like a foot taller than her. So she had to stand on a box to slap them because she couldn't mm -hmm. make a fake slap look realistic. So they had to put her on a box and let her slap them for real. Okay. And Hemsworth went first, so he got it way worse. <laughs> Although with that face, it is conceivable that it hurt her hand more than his face. Yes, I agree. And maybe it took her 32 times because she was kind of letting out all the frustration of being so underutilized for this movie. <laughs> she can't slap the writers and the director. She could slap the lead. That's true. So now we come to the another major problem, which is the same problem from the first movie, is that these two have no chemistry. There's no sexual tension, nothing. Later in this movie, Hiddleston will have more sexual tension with the book he is reading in the dungeon than these two have with each other. And Lady Sif has more sexual tension with Jane in that one look. <laughs> I'd have to agree, yes. That's a movie I would watch. <laughs> That's a movie you would direct. And write. You might force me to write it, but then you'd direct it. I'll give you the plot points. You can polish it up. Good. <laughs> That's how we work, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. I say shit. She makes that shit stink less. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate hey, the... Uh, hey, I'm God. the one who's saying the shit. I'm insulting myself. I'm giving you a compliment. <laughs> Wrapped in shit. Thanks. So the cops try to arrest Jane, but the ether protects itself, and Thor whisks Jane back to Asgard to deal with it, leaving Darcy with a giant mess on her hands. Really? Yeah, he doesn't look left or right. He just grabs her in a supposedly super romantic way and whisks her away. Yeah, Darcy is the real hero of this movie. Without her, <laughs> nothing gets done. Kind of, yeah. So now we need to cut to Svartalfor, whatever, real quick. The fuck the Heim. Where Malekith is reminiscing on his battle with Asgard and, and contemplating his plans to bring his people back somehow, using this thing somehow. I don't know. Yeah, he wants to rebuild the civilization in darkness. Yeah. Well, the problem is that there are no people left. Allegedly. Again, we'll come to that later. Mm -hmm. So the Asgardian doctors slash scientists here are trying to figure out what's inside Jane. And I wonder, 
do the writers think that making all of them women makes up for the treatment of Jane and Darcy and Sif? I think it's more sexist. You think? Because they're made out to be not like nurses or something, but they're made out to be scientists. Like Jane is talking shop with them. Mm-hmm. But they're being condescending towards her. That's true. I think that's an Asgardian thing, too. They, they all take their cues from Odin there, you know? Yeah, true. He doesn't want her there because she's human. Correct. Jane is trash to Odin. It's only when he realizes the ether is inside of her that he actually gives a shit. Yeah, because till then, Jane is meaningless. She's just another mortal. Now, here's the thing. Throughout the movie, they keep referring to Jane as the mortal. But it's made clear earlier on in the movie that the Asgardians are not immortal. Right. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of little problems like that. And the other issue with this scene is that now, post-Endgame, I find myself actively thinking about Fat Thor and Rocket tiptoeing around while this is going on. (laughs) Yeah, true. And I kind of feel bad for this Thor because Endgame Thor took Mjolnir. Mm -hmm. So somewhere along the way, Thor lost Mjolnir. Meow, meow. (laughs) I can't help myself. Yes, Thor is very sympathetic in this movie. If anything, maybe a little too sympathetic to the point where he's kind of pathetic at times. He doesn't do much. No, that's it's a big problem. You know, ask anybody, what does Thor do in this movie? What what happens? They can't tell you. And that's that's one of the reasons why I said earlier that it's more Loki's movie. It's the ending. The ending kills any arc Thor has in this movie. Because he decides not to be king? No, because the surprise trick ending is what everyone remembers from it. And it makes it, it takes away, (laughs) pun intended, Thor's thunder because he's been played. And we see, you know, Loki was planning and scheming all along. So it's like, in hindsight, Thor was being used the whole time and the ending is what everyone remembers and also because like i said thor doesn't have the memorable lines in this movie the writing is better for hiddleston it's better for hopkins and it's such a shame because when hemsworth is given good material as we've seen later in in later movies he's great but they did not make his writing and his arc a priority and it's a big problem because he's surrounded by better actors so you've got to make it an extra priority to give him the best possible script to work with and they failed miserably they failed chris hemsworth yes i agree and also chris hemsworth is not the kind of actor who does broody roles that's not no. what he's good at whereas uh, the first two Thor movies have been all about the the angst and the uh, the drama and all of that. And and Chris Hemsworth is not good at that. No. No, and that's fine. Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. And that's why they really needed to prioritize him. And they didn't. Yeah, true. And even in Avengers, we see he's he has more funny lines, more interesting lines. And he does a better job there. 
even though it's an ensemble cast, he still stands out. Mm-hmm. Whereas in his own movie, he's just walking around wearing a bedsheet. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I don't even know if it was a conscious thing with the writers. I think it was a matter of them, one, wanting to have more fun with the bad guys dialogue, and two, maybe a little factor of being like kind of maybe intimidated and starstruck themselves, wanting to give Anthony Hopkins more juicy stuff. But then at the same time, you have Natalie Portman, who gets absolute crap. The way they write for Natalie Portman in this movie, it would be like if I asked Bill Gates to show me how to do keyboard shortcuts. You know? (laughs) Yeah, it seems like they've never met a woman before. Yes. Met one, spoken to one, stood next to one. Yes, I agree. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's almost like this movie is written by, as we like to say, Cheeto stained white guys. Yes. They're trying to go for that dark and gritty, dark night sort of aesthetic, but they're not really committing to it. Yeah. Commitment. That's the word. There's a lot of laziness in this script. Mm hmm. We got to cut over to Malekith's ship here. You know, I couldn't help but notice, even in a race of elves, it's still the black guy who gets sacrificed. Yeah. I mean, first off, the black guy is the white guy's second in command. And they had so many of those other soldier elves that they could have sent off, but they chose this one guy. Yeah, well, that's Malekith being a great leader saying, you know what? I could do this myself, but you're totally, totally better at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm going to sacrifice my best friend and only confidant. Yep. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yep. Yeah. So he becomes this last cursed creature and sneaks his way onto Asgard with a bunch of warriors. How exactly? Yeah, Heimdall is supposed to be able to see everything, right? So how does he not see these fucking Keebler elves here doing this shit? Yeah, well, the guy was wearing a mask. Oh. Yeah. Is that all it takes to fool Heimdall? Really? It would seem so. It's kind of like putting a sticker on a CCTV camera. So does that mean he can't see any of us right now? Like for the last year, we all don't have to worry about Heimdall invasions of privacy? That's a good point. Oh, wait, Heimdall. No, Heimdall's dead. He's been dead a while. That's right. <laughs> We're good. You're good, everybody. You can scratch your asses again. Heimdall's dead. All right. So he's sneaking his way into Asgard while Frigga is down in the dungeon visiting her son. Virtually. Quarantine life. She's zooming yes. in. Yes. Zoom calls for the win. <laughs> That'll be Zoom's next thing, you know, holograms. With all the hype for the Loki series, they're gonna be like, we're leaving money on the table. Let's make this happen. Yeah, they'd make a lot of money. So here we have, you know, the same thing in terms of hypocrisy. Frigga saying a true king admits his faults, but she never admits her husband's faults or asks him to admit his own. Well, yeah, I suppose. But she's trying to teach Loki to be a better person which, frankly, is a bit of a lost cause. 
Yes, and also, what's the point? He's in the dungeon for all eternity. Well, you know, I understand that Americans don't understand this, but prisons are supposed to be for rehabilitation. I agree with you a thousand percent. And it's funny you mentioned that because I was actually going to say uh, later on, but I'll bring it up now. I think without meaning to, this movie actually shines a light onto what solitary confinement and the prison industrial complex in general does to people. Yes, except Loki still had it easier than a lot of other people do. Oh, I agree with you a thousand percent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Frigga here is trying to defend all of her husband's actions. And I don't know about defend, but so much as justify it. Just if, well, it's the same thing, really. Okay. And we get one of Loki's great lines here delivered so well. He's not my father. Mm-hmm. And he also doesn't truly see the irony of the statement either, because he is much more his father's son than Thor is. Yes, absolutely. The calculation, the coldness, like, dude, where do you think you get it? <laughs> He is a true product of Odin and Frigga, whereas Thor yes. is kind of the odd Labrador puppy of the other siblings. <laughs> you know, that's a really good point. Thor actually is more of the odd one out. Yeah, yeah. And Hela was also Hela angsty. Yeah, she, uh, she fit in. I think she was pretty on point for that family. Yeah, yeah. And before things get sad here, I can't hold it in any longer so i'm just not gonna try god damn hiddleston looks so good in this movie i just can't even i can't handle it these next <laughs> we're recording this on may 13th i'm not gonna make it people i'm not gonna make it with my sanity till june 9th i'm just gonna explode before that i just can't i need help reach it out Somebody. you do need help is there, is there some sort of rehab facility that i can attend if someone knows, please tell me. You know, we are the ones who are leaving money on the table. <laughs> the Tom Middleston Rehab Center. <laughs> God, that sounds terrible. We're going to get sued. Please. <laughs> We'd be fucking printing money, man. Fuck this podcast, man. We're going to do that. That's going to make us a lot more money. <laughs> and so, you know, Loki's having his little tantrum here, which I do understand. And Frigga says to him, so am I not your mother? And he says, you're not. And I love Renee Russo's reaction here. She's great. Yeah, she is. And again, very criminally underutilized. Yes. Yeah. And. Her reaction is so genuine. You know, it's the reaction a mom has when her eight-year-old says, I hate you. Yeah, true. Where she knows he's full of shit. Yeah, she, I agree. She does think that he's full of shit, and he kind of is. He is, and he knows it. Mm -hmm. Because then he immediately goes to put his hands in his mother's, and she's just a hologram. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why Loki is a sympathetic figure, you know, in a number of ways, his family betrayed him. And now this just reinforces 
that sense of betrayal and this solitude and just how they've let him down. I think he's contributed to that as well. It's not like he's the victim in all of this. Yes, I agree. And this is both a strength and a problem because Loki is the emotional core of this movie. And it's a huge problem for the first two movies because it's overshadowing Thor's arc and storyline. I disagree. I don't think Loki is the emotional core of this movie because there is no emotional core to this movie. It's as much as you get. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's the it's the deepest thing the movie has to offer. Okay, fair. And if there's anything to care about in this movie, it's this. It's Loki and Thor's interaction and relationship. It's not the Dark Elves. It's not Jane. And so it's just set up all wrong in terms of what they need and want the audience to feel versus what they give the audience to work with. There's a disconnect there. Yeah, I think they want us to feel for Thor and Loki and Jane and the entire Asgardian family, but they're too hell-bent on the plot, which isn't good. Yes, right. You're exactly right. If the plot was good and it made sense, sure, that works. But they're trying to do the emotional, but not doing it justice while they're trying to do more about the plot and build a sense of dread of, oh, this big bad is going to show up and ruin everything for our favorite heroes. But the big bad is not all that scary in the first place. You're exactly right. So Thor is explaining the convergence to Jane in a scene that is apparently supposed to be romantic. Whatever you say, writers. Sure. Well, you know, as Jane, again, this is another thing. She would have asked 20,000 different questions in order to understand it, rather than just the hands going in and out of alignment. Mm -hmm. But she's so smitten by Thor that she doesn't give a shit about anything. Yes. And you know what? That's how we would act, Jane Foster. We expect better from you, Missy. You hear that, writers? We expect more. Yeah. I mean, I know for a fact that I would ask 20,000 different questions. No matter how good looking Chris Hemsworth is. In fact, I'd ask him more so that I can see him more. That's not a science thing. That's a you thing. You ask me 20,000 questions when I get a new footstool. Like, that's just, that's a you thing. That's fair. (laughs) So now we have the cursed creature down in the dungeon starting his little plot here. (laughs) Cursed. So original. Yeah, right? And Loki's just <laughs> chilling away, throwing whatever he's got up in the air, just blah, blah, blah. And I imagine he's plotting something. Yeah. He's Loki. He has to be plotting something. Yeah. And in the meantime, he tells the Cursed how to navigate the palace a little quicker. Yeah. So the Cursed takes that roid ball thingy inside of him, smashes through all the holographic barriers, kills everyone. And goes to the left. Correct. Uh, Then we get a whole bunch of useless quips from the Idiots 3, from Thor, 
uh, just kill me with this writing. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to be funny. They're just coming across as stupid. Yeah, because this movie can't decide what it wants the tone to be. Mm -hmm. There are so many different tones throughout this. It's so incongruous. Yeah, and I feel like half the cast just basically phoned in their lines. Yeah, either that or the lines are so poor, they just have nothing to work with. Well, that's true. So Jane gets whisked a lot in this movie, and this time it's Frigga whisking her away to safety. <laughs> Jane's got fuck all to do, so might as well get whisked, right? Yeah, just follow along. Just whoever tells you to do something, just go along with them. You know what? And you take this next part here with Heimdall, because I'm very confused about something. So Heimdall, while he's keeping watch, manages to not see an invisible ship and then sees mm -hmm. said invisible ship and runs and catches it. I must say he's very fast for, for a man <laughs> who just stands around. And is covered in like 30 pounds of gold, yes. Yeah. He jumps onto it, manages to break it with his dagger. Mm-hmm. And then realizes that he missed the big giant invisible ship. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my confusion. Didn't all the Dark Elves die in that previous war? Like, didn't Malekith sacrifice all of his people? Except for the last ship. Kind of the like Noah's ship. Ark, okay. you know? Okay. Okay. That explains it. Because I'm like, where the fuck did all of these creatures even come from? Okay. Got it. Hey, that is my explanation. Okay. It's an explanation, so it's fine. <laughs> well, I do think it's my part-time job to try to give you explanations. That's fair. So Malekith is able to uh, bust through the palace shields here. Now, as I said earlier. I have a question. Yes. While these single file ships are going through and destroying everything intentionally going and destroying everything. One, it reminded me of how I drive in Forza Horizon. Okay. Two, I was concerned about the people who were piloting this ship because of the way they were twisting and turning. I'd end up with, you know, vertigo. I'd end up very disoriented. Yeah, I did find myself nauseous during this movie, but not till later. I feel you. <laughs> So Asgard is getting obliterated here, and it's a big problem. Not because Asgard's getting destroyed, but because we've never been given a reason to care about Asgard. Yeah. It's never been fleshed out. There's no world building. We don't care about this palace because Odin's an asshole. We've never seen any regular old Asgardian people that we could connect with. And they've been telling us for the last hour that they can't stand humans. <laughs> so asking me to care that the Asgardian palace is being destroyed would be like asking me to give a shit if Mar-a-Lago burned out. You know? And also considering that all these ships are coming in and destroying the rest of Asgard, they're putting the shield up around the palace and like, you know, fuck the rest of the people, let them die as long as the yeah. palace is safe. Yeah, good point. So Malekith goes straight for Frigga because she's protecting Jane. And my God, 
does Christopher Eccleston just look ridiculous in this costume? I can't take him seriously. Yeah, he does. Absolutely. I cannot deny that. The one thing I do like about this scene is that we are shown Frigga can fight in her own right, that she's not helpless. She knows how to use a sword and she's got her magic. Yeah, she's got moves. Yeah, I love that she takes being called witch as a compliment. <laughs> like, damn right I am. And I just burned your ass with it. Yeah. Okay, question. So Malekith is supposedly someone who's able to feel where the eater is and he's drawn to it. How did he not know that Jane was not actually there? Shouldn't he have felt the eater wherever Jane was? Eh, well, it's only like it was only like ten feet away, right? Maybe it's like Pokemon Go. I don't know. <laughs> Why would you hide someone 10 feet away from a danger? One of many questions for this movie. Okay. I thought you might have understood that bit. You know, give and take, you understand some stuff I don't, and vice versa. Now, now that one's lost to the ages. Okay. All right. Like, like the rest of this plot. <laughs> so, yeah, Frigga's magic doesn't hold up for too long because the cursed thing kills her and Malekith and the creature flee before Thor can catch them. Yeah, again, another thing. Asgard is supposed to be super advanced with their science and all that, that us mere mortals think it's magic. So why were they not able to save Frigga? Yeah, yeah. It's not like she got stabbed through the heart or something like that. She was stabbed through the waist. And instead of everyone just crying over her, they could have just taken her to the damn doctors. Because we've got to kill off another woman, Amy, to further these men's arcs. That's why, because they've got to fight over mommy. And who loved mommy more? Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, if Loki is able to get through that with a sword through his chest and survive, why the hell can't Frigga survive? Well, to be fair, we don't know if Loki actually took that sword to the chest. Like, we don't know how he did that. That's never been explained. Mm -hmm. because in the comics he can create corporeal doubles okay so that's a possible explanation for that one but no i totally agree with you because they're supposed to have super advanced healers so right. yeah you yeah. should have been able to save her yeah absolutely but no the boys have to have something to fight over mm -hmm. yeah and odin has to have a reason to be blinded by grief <laughs> Yeah, ruining his palace is not good enough. But you know what? In terms of just the containment of this movie, I'm not sorry that Frigga died because I absolutely love this funeral scene. It's one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, it's a beautiful scene. Yeah, it is so poignant. The music is just absolutely lovely. And I look forward to this each unfortunate time I am forced to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah it's beautifully done uh the cgi is fantastically done for everything over here it's a very beautiful scene but it's not touching yeah and the little button on top of this scene is loki being notified by the guard just by his presence that frigga is now gone and this is where we get just a glimpse at his telekinetic powers 
that he has in the comics. It's a Carrie type moment where he destroys everything in his cell just with his own rage. Mm-hmm. We didn't see this before or after. So I'm anxious to see what, if anything, they do with this in the series. Right. And this is the part of the movie where I pause for a few moments to mentally prepare myself for a trash rock Loki on the dungeon floor in a little while. <laughs> yes, of course. So we head back to London for a minute because uh, it's time for a lecture by Professor Selvig. Yes, and he does a better job of explaining everything related to the convergence and all that jazz. Too bad it's lost on everyone else. Yeah, that's pretty much his purpose in this movie, to be like, hey, in case that muddled nonsense didn't make it clear, here's what's going on. Yeah, true. And he mentioned something that this time when it happens, it's going to be catastrophic. Why? He doesn't know about the ether. He doesn't know that Malekith is coming in to try and, you know, make the world go night-night. <laughs> but, so why is it catastrophic this time? I don't know. So even when they're trying to explain shit, they leave more questions unanswered. Yep. It's very frustrating true. for a person like me. Yes. And at least we get a cute little Stan Lee cameo here. He wants his shoe back. Yes. Well, I would have wanted my shoe back because I would have thrown it at the screen. <laughs> you see, people, this is the reason why this movie drives me to drink. There are too many questions. I can't deal with that. And my drink is over. <laughs> I'm more unhappy about that than anything else in this movie. Now, see, this movie drives you to drink. It drives me to think about better movies while I'm watching this one. Because mm -hmm. we see Jane here having her vision of destruction and her eyes go black. And in my head, I swear to you, I just hear black eyes, like a doll's eyes. And I just want to be watching Jaws. <laughs> yeah, and again, they're not explaining why the fuck are her eyes going black. I really think it's just one of those things where they're like, how can we show people she's having a vision? Oh, we know. Black eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay. When it would have been clear otherwise, you know? With the vision itself, you know? Yeah, one would mm -hmm. think. So Thor goes to see Dad here, try to talk to sense, some sense into him. And, you know, got to give Thor credit. He's grown so much. He has a smart plan here. Yes. And... Odin does not want to hear it. He's lashing out. He wants blood. He does not care that his people are going to die. Yeah. He wants to sacrifice everybody. He wants blood. He wants war. Whereas Thor wants to take Jane away to the Dark World, lure Malekith over there, and once he takes it out of Jane, destroy it while it's vulnerable. Yes. And it's a smart plan. And had. Odin agreed and sent reinforcements with them, they would have had a higher chance of success. Absolutely. And back in London, poor Darcy is still trying to clean up this mess by herself. She is more noble than I would ever be. She could have totally just walked away from this shit after being treated like crap. But instead, she makes a plan to go get Eric out of the psych ward. Yes. So now Heimdall 
wants in on some of this action with Thor. And <laughs> he encourages our prince here to basically commit treason and follow through on his plan against Odin's orders. Yes. And he gets everyone together. And now we have this montage of Thor's plan coming to fruition. Yeah, and you know, I understand Thor conferring with Sif and Heimdall, totally, but the other two? What the fuck for? What do Bolstag and fucking Fandral have to offer to this situation? Well, they did help them escape. Oh, we'll talk about this escape. Don't get me started. <laughs> they were needed at this point. <laughs> they, they were not. We shall get there. <laughs> So Thor comes to the conclusion that he needs his brother in order to make this plan work. Yes. He needs to get off of Asgard undetected for as long as possible. And Loki knows all the like secret exits and entrances to Asgard. Yep. And now we come to my favorite scene in this movie. (laughs) I think this scene is by far the most grounded and real scene in the movie it's just two brothers talking i agree and both of them look very good yes but i actually you know what i think is a major problem in this scene it's funny Mm -hmm. you said you know so much of this movie is so goddamn dark i think this scene is too goddamn bright that's because your eyes are not adjusting after so much dark you know you squint when you go out in the sun (laughs) maybe yeah that's the problem I think it takes away a little bit of the emotional heft because it's so bright. It does make it look stark in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's partly because Hiddleston's so pale himself. Mm -hmm. That he gets Um, washed out? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I think Chris Hemsworth looked fantastic. Yes. He was lit up really well. Yeah. Yeah, and Hiddleston himself always looks paler in these movies because of the contrast of the black hair. Right. But I'm I'm not complaining because he's actually wearing people clothes in this scene and they're a lot easier to get off and my mind goes places because I'm here for that look. Here mm-hmm. for it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can hear the restraining order again. <laughs> it's coming out of the printer. Yes, yes. But this is great. At first, Loki tries to put up this facade of a hologram. And again, the editing's even off a little bit here where the reactions like don't quite mesh up properly. But then he shows Thor the truth that he is just a wrecked, bloody heap on the floor. Yeah. And this is the product of... So many emotions coming to a head, grief, rage, frustration, and I think even guilt, too, knowing the last thing he said to his mother was that she wasn't his mother. Yeah, that, and also he told the cursed creature to go left, and that's where he met Frigga, so he probably thinks he's partially responsible, even though he would never admit it. Right. Well, isn't what... Loki is doing at this point essentially just quarantine life. Aren't we all messes? Yeah, I mean, he's got his books. Yeah. And we've touched on the fact that 
the tone is so different throughout this movie. They can't decide on one. And it would be interesting to see how it would have felt in the movie if they left one piece in. I'm not sure if it made it to deleted scene, but there's B-roll of it uh, on YouTube where it gets even darker, where Loki is on the floor screaming at the top of his lungs and then just like cracking his head back against the wall. Mm -hmm. It's a great scene, but it makes me wonder how it would have fit with all these crazy different tones in the movie. Right. Yeah. But regardless of everything that's come before, Thor needs his brother now. And he knows he's going to double cross him. Yes, he does. But the problem is he doesn't know how. And that's what it comes down to is they both know Loki will double cross him. But Loki has the advantage because one, he's got magic. And two, Thor doesn't know what's coming. True. But Thor is still willing to take the chance. Because he is desperate. Right. For for the sake of Jane. Yeah. And Asgard. Honestly, at this point, I think he cares more about Jane. I think he is also trying to think about the people. He doesn't want the people to die. Yeah, he's torn. Yeah. We just at this point, too, assume there's people. Haven't seen them. They must be around <laughs> there somewhere. Well, you know, he probably wouldn't want the servants to die. If there's nothing else outside of the palace? I guess. Hmm. So the moment Thor springs Loki out of the dungeon, he is back to his old self and it is glorious. Yeah. Yeah, this is your favorite scene, isn't it? I love this because he knows he can escape now. He can yeah. put whatever plan he wants into place. He's got what he wants. He's out of the dungeon. True. And he loves pushing Thor's buttons. Yes, he it wants is his him favorite to pastime. Yes. Yeah. And that's such a brotherly thing. It's great. True. Yeah, I agree. And this is my absolute favorite MCU cameo. Hello, America's ass. How are you today, <laughs> Mr. Evans? Yes, indeed. He must have had fun doing that. He did. He showed up on the set. They were able to do it. And one day he had a lot of fun because the direction they gave him was basically do an impression of Hiddleston doing an impression of Steve. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what he does. And it's hilarious. And again, in the deleted scenes, we see another version of it where Hiddleston is dressed up as Captain America. And I think that having Chris Evans come in to do this was a better choice. It was, yes, it was definitely funnier. And it was it was unexpected. Yeah, true. And people, if you haven't seen that deleted scene, there's two reasons you should. One, because that is Asgard's ass, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, please, there's hardly an ass. Don't, that is not true. Continuing. <laughs> Are you really going <laughs> to argue with me on that point? With me, really? Hey. Chris Evans' ass, Chris Evans's ass versus Hiddleston's ass. Evans wins any day. Look, there is no need to choose between the two, okay? One represents Asgard and the other represents America, okay? And for your information, since my husband is away for a while, I am now entitled 
to an additional hall pass. <laughs> so I don't have to choose in real life either. Uh-huh. Ryan, you you keep telling yourself that. Yeah. Those are the rules of marriage. Uh-huh. Right. Yes. Of course. I have written. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever have an argument, please come to her for marriage counseling. It's going to go perfectly. <laughs> It's okay. My husband doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> yeah, I think you would have been signing divorce papers by now if he did. That might be my Christmas present if one more piece of Loki merch enters my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you still haven't gotten my gift yet. I know. Mm. I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Number two. Number two is we are starting that rehab clinic. Number two is that John Walker looked so ridiculous in his Captain America costume that the most British man alive wearing a Captain America costume looks less weird. But that was on purpose. Still. It doesn't matter. But yeah, I think having Chris Evans come in for that one scene was fantastic. I know it's a lighthearted scene and it's supposed to be funny and all that. Loki changes into Steve Rogers and we hear him speak as Steve Rogers. It's it's Chris Evans's voice. But when Loki changes Thor into Lady Sif, Lady Sif still sounds like Thor. Yeah, I think he did that on purpose. Okay. I don't think that's a problem. I think that's Loki doing that on purpose. Okay. Doing whatever he wants with it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. To be fair, Lady Sif did look ravishing. Is there a time you don't think she looks ravishing? It hasn't happened yet. (laughs) But I will keep you posted. So Thor wants to make it very clear to his brother that he does not trust him and slaps on the cuffs before bringing Jane in. Yes. And then Jane slaps him. And gets a very different reaction than Thor's. <laughs> <laughs> I like her. Oh, that line does things to me. Hmm. Of course it does. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, you know, that's one of those times where I don't know if Jane should take this as a compliment, but it is a compliment. She's too filled with righteous indignation. Yes. To think about anything else. Okay. Now here we get to the part that vexes me. I'm I am Commodus. I am vexed. Oh, you are vexed. Okay. Yes, I am. Okay. So the whole reason Thor breaks Loki out of the dungeon is because he needs to get out of Asgard as undetected as possible for as long as possible. And they have to get out in a special super duper secret Scooby-Doo gang way. Mm-hmm. Okay. The shields are down. Like Asgard's blinded. It's been decimated you know Mm -hmm. and heimdall is the only person that could conceivably see him doing this Mm -hmm. so in reality they could really just saunter away and nobody would notice the only reason anybody notices is because heimdall says hey want to let you know about my treason they're getting away So I get that, like, it's an honor thing. Like, 
Heimdall would want to admit his treason, which you couldn't wait five minutes. Like, what's the big deal? Are there degrees of treason on Asgard? Like, if he lets Odin know now that he's a traitor, he'll just get, like, first-degree treason where he gets tied to a tree and they throw rotten fruit at him. And it, like, goes up in degrees till execution. Is that why he does it now? Why did he have to say anything? He could have waited an hour till they were safely off and been like, oh, by the way, I let them go and committed treason. This doesn't make any goddamn sense. It sicks the army on Thor immediately. He creates his own problem. Okay, so here's the thing. Heimdall used his own treason as a distraction for Thor and company. He got Odin out of the palace to come to Heimdall's little den. If he hadn't, Odin would have stopped Thor and Thor wouldn't have attacked his father to get away. And at the same time, when Odin was with Heimdall, some soldier did come and tell him that the mortal has been taken. That's how he knew that Thor has taken Jane. Maybe she was just in the bathroom. With her guards unconscious. Yeah, sure. That's a very <laughs> powerful pee. <laughs> I mean, I understand, you know, the ether is a powerful thing. I've had but... some pretty powerful peace myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know, explosion levels. That's, I'd be more worried about that rather than the ether at that point. It all still just doesn't add up for me. This whole escape, it's so contrived. Yeah. You know, they're trying to go for the thriller jailbreak adrenaline pumping kind of thing but it fails miserably yeah because they're writing this ass backwards you know they needed to get loki out of the dungeon that's the problem they're trying to solve here they're not trying to like this isn't trying to further thor's arc in any way it's just trying to solve the problem of how do we get the engaging character back into the action. No, the goal over here is, yes, they want to get Loki out and they also want to get Jane out. That's the main plot point. So Jane is basically at this point a hot potato where everyone is trying to take her and whisk her away. Yeah, it's just, it's hard to even describe the problems because it's so muddled, you know? And mm -hmm. what it really comes down to is Loki is one of the few reasons to watch this movie. But when it really comes down to it, he doesn't belong in this movie. For all intents and purposes, he should not have been in this movie. It's probably a better overall movie without him in it. If it was written properly and written as Thor's movie, done much better and given Jane some actual agency but they wrote this movie more for the purposes of loki than for thor well loki doesn't have as much screen time as thor does but it's still what people remember from the movie it's more impactful that's mm -hmm. the problem thor stuff 
it's bad writing, it's muddled plot. Whereas Loki stuff, it's better writing. They have, and you know, I can understand to an extent falling into the trap of having more fun writing for the villain. It's like, have you ever seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? No. In that movie, nobody remembers anything Robin Hood does. And it's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Nobody remembers anything Kevin Costner says about that. But everybody remembers Alan fucking Rickman in that movie as the Sheriff of Nottingham. I'll cut his heart out with a spoon. Mm-hmm. He shines brighter in the movie. Yeah. So that's the problem here. Right. And then we get that tonal shift again here where it's supposed to be funny with everybody telling Loki they're going to kill him if and when he betrays Thor. Right. Yeah. I can't help but laugh at that, not because it's funny, but really, really, Fandral and Volstag, all of you guys, you think you're more powerful than him? Okay. You think you're going to outsmart <laughs> him? Okay. That's fine. All right. You think that. I think it's more about them trying to stand up for their friend and loyalty. Uh-huh. And then they continue this so-called funny tone when Thor and company go into the elven ship and they have a bit of a struggle trying to take off. <laughs> and th this is entertaining. This is very brotherly and genuine. Anybody who's ever been in the car with a sibling on a road trip has been in this situation. Yeah, the quips and all are quite funny. Yeah. And but it's intercut with Fandral and his nonsense. Yes. That yeah. doesn't work. Why? Why? And you know, this reinforces the fact it's the same problem in the first movie is that Hemsworth and Hiddleston have great chemistry together, whereas Hemsworth mm -hmm. and Jane do not. Yeah, well, to be fair, she's sleeping through most of this. Yeah, well, just in general. And speaking of which, I just love this one line. Oh, dear. Is she dead? Yeah. <laughs> like, he might as yeah. well be asking if the milk in his tea is fat-free or not, you know? <laughs> no, that would have more stakes than that. <laughs> in his mind, yes. <laughs> yes, I think it would. Mr. Earl Grey himself, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, they managed to take off and... Break every pillar possible. Yeah, and eventually Thor's had enough. Once uh, Loki served his purpose, he throws him out of the ship. Yeah. You lied to me. I'm impressed. Again, <laughs> a compliment that I don't think Thor appreciates. No, I don't think so either. So they are on this boat? Flying boat? <laughs> Space canoe? I don't know. I don't know either. It's not very aerodynamic, that's all I can say. No, no. But nonetheless, they do fly into that mountain while Jane, of course, is getting her beauty sleep. Yeah, and good scene here uh, between the brothers as Thor is watching his love deteriorate before his eyes and Loki can't help but twist that knife, you know, about Jane's lifespan. Right, yeah. But when it comes down to it, they can't fully turn on each other here because they'll always have one thing in common and that's their love for their mother. Right, yeah. And that is the reason why 
Thor is willing to even give Loki a chance. Yeah. Did I say that right? So now, back in London, Darcy breaks Eric out of the psych ward. How is she still not getting paid? And how is she able to afford to do all this stuff? Yeah, that's a good question. And we get a great line here from Skarsgård, though. It's so true, especially right now. There's nothing more reassuring than realizing the world is crazier than you. (laughs) Yeah. So they take off to get back to work and figure out this whole convergence thing. Yeah. So to the titular dark world, we go. Surprise. We don't care about this place any more than we cared about Asgard. It's a ruined place. What's there to care about? Yeah. So Thor, Loki, and Jane are here together facing off against Malekith. And we know that they've put together some kind of plan here. Right. But it seems like Loki has double-crossed Thor. He cuts his arm off and Loki offers Jane to Malekith. Right. And he calls himself Loki of Jotunheim, pretends to turn against Asgard. And this is interesting here. The cursed creature tells Malekith, oh, this dude was a prisoner. He's an enemy of Asgard. Mm-hmm. It's confusing because if Malekith knows who the rest of the royal family is, shouldn't he know Loki is one of them? I don't think Malekith knows who the rest of the family is. Maybe I'm just projecting. I got, I got the sense that he did. No, he saw them when he attacked Asgard. His goal after how many ever thousand years he woke up, was to destroy Asgard. He didn't know who the king was. He was sleeping all through the next generation and generation. That's true. And from what we know of Odin, he was probably sleeping half the damn time too. (laughs) So he recognized Thor because he was the one who made him Two-Face and had a nice walk around while everyone was dying around him, including his own elves. Okay. Here's another question. How many times do we think that Loki has stabbed Thor in the last 900 years? Firstly, I think he started shooting blow darts at him from his crib. (laughs) Yeah, that seems about fair. So as Thor predicted, Malekith takes the ether out of Jane. And then we see that uh, it was an illusion that Loki created that Thor still has his arm. Yes. And... Thor uses the power of lightning to destroy the Eater. Yeah, well, he tries to. And while he's doing that, Loki is protecting Jane. Right. But physics, sand with lightning combined to glass, changes its properties, but somehow Malekith is able to make it back into Eater. Yeah, he's sucking this shit up like Edward Nigma in Batman Forever when he's taking in all that brain juice. Through his, like, <laughs> makeshift blender. Mm-hmm. What I don't understand is why didn't Thor try to do the same thing again? Or just attack Malekith? Question 742. Mm. So, Loki is nearly sucked into some sort of hole here. Black hole. Grenade hole. Mm-hmm. Devil's anus. Who knows? Uh-huh. Just, like... You go down your own black hole whenever you think about Mr. Hiddleston. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. But Thor saves him and in the process uh, gets attacked by the cursed creature. Yes. So yada, yada, yada. Loki takes out a bunch of the dark elves, goes to help. 
Loki impales the cursed but gets mutually impaled. Yes, it's a mutually <laughs> mutual <laughs> impale. Yes. It's a mutual <laughs> impaling. <laughs> we are but... just writing fan fiction. <laughs> talk about chris evans already too hmm. anyway yes with the whole asses thing yes let that yeah. sit out there so <laughs> uh loki does manage to leave like this magical grenade whatever inside the cursed creature and blows him up i think he activated one of his own grenades yeah something like that yeah so he gets eaten up with a nice show of cgi and Loki's dying. Yes, and manipulating to the end as he tells Thor, I didn't do it for him, meaning their father. And damn you, Taika Waititi, you took away any sentiment or any emotion from the scene because all I could picture now was Matt Damon and Luke Hemsworth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is preferable to thinking about this movie. So it's all right. Mm -hmm. Right. So Loki dies in Thor's arms. Quote unquote. Quote unquote. And Thor is heartbroken, understandably. It's the second time he's lost his brother. Not the last, for sure. No. And God, the rest of this movie is such a slog. <laughs> it's like crawling through a swamp wearing ankle weights. That's descriptive. Ugh. So Thor takes a moment here to grieve. He and Jane need to get back to Earth. They manage to find their way back to London because, oh, whoopsie doodle, I hear my phone. Just happened to stumble upon my phone here. No, no, no. No, she had the phone. She got reception. How did she still have the fucking phone? I don't know. Why is she wearing armor with one boob covered and not the other? <laughs> I mean, it's not like one boob will save you from, you know, dying or something. <laughs> yeah, so, you know what? Poor Chris O'Dowd on the other end. You can do better, buddy. All right, just give up. Yeah, but at the same time, he did save them. Yeah, true. So Thor and Jane use this to get back to London. And this asshole has the nerve to say, who's Richard? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I think they were trying to play it off as funny. I know, but it's just that much more aggravating with the treatment of Jane throughout the movie. It's just terrible. Yes, I agree. And then we're treated to another great Scars card moment here who's running around because he thinks it's better without his pants. I understand. Yeah, I sympathize. I get it. And yeah. great exchange here. They're both so good in this scene. Skarsgård and Hemsworth playing it perfectly. Your brother's not yeah. here, is he? <laughs> no, he's dead. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah. And then he hugs him and behind his back, he's smiling. And then he, he <laughs> lets go and he's like, yeah, you know, being very stoic about it. <laughs> Of course. I mean, poor man. He still hasn't recovered. Yeah. It would be remiss of me not to mention Thor leaving the hammer on the coat rack. Yes. 
that is extra hilarious now also knowing that Chris Hemsworth stole like five different hammers from the set and has them hanging all over his house. <laughs> <laughs> like he legit said he has one hanging in his bathroom. Hey, I get that. I mean, if I were tall, I'd do that. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yep. And of course, let's not forget he's got one tucked away in his dresser with his little pillow. <laughs> so back on the dark world real quick, we see this guard here with just a quick glimpse of green illusory magic come over him and that's how we know it's actually loki yes so the guard here returns to asgard to let odin know that thor is gone and loki is dead right and i must say this guy did a good job trying to get that look he did yeah and odin looks sad but more constipated By this point, Hopkins is as checked out as we are. And I can't blame him. True. So back to London we go. And this is the part where you can really start to yada yada throughout this movie. (laughs) So they figure out where the convergence is through some ancient nonsense. But there's no feeling of doom or dread. And Right. Because we know Thor is going to save the day. Yes. No suspense. Just Malekith and his little elves looking to destroy the earth. Been there, done that. And there's never a motive other than he's an evil elf. You know? There is. He wants the world to go night-night. No more Yeah, but but why? But why? Because that was the time of his life. What's so bad about it being sunny, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. There's just no reasoning behind it. It's stupid. There's no point to it. Yeah, there is no point to it. He could just get a pair of sunglasses and that's the end of that. Yeah. But, you know, to each their own, I suppose. So let's just cut through the chase over here. The scientists try to put these things in the ground to manipulate the convergence to their convenience. And Malekith's ship arrives, destroys half the ground over there. Which kind of pissed me off. Like, why do you need to do so much property damage? Like, I understand you're trying to change the world, but how about preserving stuff? Well, not only that, but all the cutting back and forth between London and the dark world here, I really did start to feel some motion sickness. (laughs) Honestly, I had to shut my eyes. Okay. So this entire fight is happening while the convergence is happening so gravity blah blah is all going haywire so they're basically fighting through all the realms through earth the various hymns and (laughs) conveniently convergent spots are appearing just when the scientists are in danger right and they just disappear into another world including cars and creating all this kind of pollution it's very infuriating yes and then once my nausea from the motion sickness went away it returned when we just have to have darcy lewis make out and fall for the guy who saves her life (laughs) she can't just say thanks no no yeah Yeah. i mean he lifted a car and you know killed all those people that doesn't make him suddenly go from a six to a ten you know (laughs) Right. Yeah. 
And now, and I have to say that these elves, now that we're seeing them in daylight, proper daylight, they look really, really bad. Maybe that's why they all want darkness, because they're ugly. Possible, yeah. But, like, it seemed like really low-budget kind of costuming. Yes. It, it reminded me of Doctor Who. That's the kind of level of budgets when it comes to these kind of costumes. Right, where it works on Doctor Who, right? Because it's supposed to be campy. Yeah, it's supposed to be campy. It is a low-budget show, and that's what they're known for. Yeah, and again, it's all the little details that don't add up and make sense. Even when Thor gets on the subway here, or the tube, I should say. (laughs) Hiddleston said he went and snuck in to see this movie with the public. And he obviously hadn't seen this part himself. And when the woman gives Thor directions here, he said the whole theater groaned, including himself, because it's wrong. And it's such a simple little detail. Yeah, that's, I think, the easiest detail to get right. Yeah. But they got it so wrong. Like, they filmed this part in London. Like, you're surrounded by people from London. Just ask. Or Google it and take a minute. Yeah, I mean, they could have just gone up on the street and said, hey, how the fuck do I get to Greenwich from here? Exactly. Exactly. And somebody would have told them. Or if they realized in post-production that they made this mistake, they could have changed the name of the station to be a station that's three stations away from Greenwich. Right. So Thor goes back to the Dark World to deal with Malekith once and for all. No, he doesn't go to the Dark World. He goes back to Greenwich. That's why he's in the tube in the first place. Right. Okay. You're complaining about the stations being wrong. You're sending him to another planet. Look, I was basically (laughs) reviewing my grocery list in my head at this point of the movie. (laughs) It took every ounce of focus I had to even care. (laughs) So yeah, Thor, by some miracle, reaches Greenwich. And the scientists have gathered their, you know, they kind of look like overgrown knitting sticks frankly gets them (laughs) pokes them into malachite so he gets dismembered into each separate realm how did he get the ether i have no idea damn it i just saw the movie (laughs) but doesn't that tell you everything you need to know okay bloopity blop (laughs) caught yep thanos gets it one day that's what matters he he gets he gets it one day there you go right okay that's all you need to take away the plot of this movie does not matter at all (laughs) so thor is quite badly hurt he's fallen down damsel in distress Jane comes in and tries to pull him away, which is by far the most hilarious thing ever. This is absolute (laughs) nonsense. For fuck's sake, the woman had to stand on a box to slap him. You think she can turn him over? That's the reason why it's the most hilarious thing ever. And she's trying to pull him away from that giant ship falling on him. Realizes that's not going to work. So she decides to jump on top of him too, so that they both die together. Yeah. but. 
the one final convergence gravity bullshit happens and it goes to the dark world and falls on Malekith. Bloopity bloop, end of the movie, everything's fine. Who gives a fuck about property damage? Yeah, so we started the movie with an awkward lunch and now we end with an awkward breakfast. Right. And again, Jane is moping. That's just what she does now. Mm-hmm. And here we get another moment between Odin and Thor where we get some lazy writing that reeks of test audience because Odin says to Thor, you once said there's never been a wiser king than I. That tells me that the writers never changed the original speech despite changing the ending of the movie. Because when Thor said that to Odin at the end of Thor, Loki wasn't even on the planet. There's mm-hmm. no way for him to know that. Mm-hmm. So again, just lazy writing here. Right. So it's a good speech, though, for Odin. Loki as Odin. Yeah, it is. And it's it's well played on his part. But Thor does get a good line here. It's a cliche, but it works. I'd rather be a good man than a great king. Good mm-hmm. for you. I'm, I'm happy for him. This is a good moment for him. This is, again, showing us that Thor has grown more. Yes. But this moment for him gets completely overshadowed by the Loki reveal. Right. Because yeah. that's what everyone remembers true and that's really aside from an infinity stone that's all that matters from this movie moving forward that loki's alive yeah well to be fair you did say the test audiences were unhappy that loki died so it makes sense for people to be happy that loki's alive right but again it's a strength and also the problem of the franchise because he became more popular than the hero and Mm -hmm. it takes away from the hero's story and journey. Yeah, true. And then it only led him to then blow up even more after this movie, which is why they so desperately needed Taika Waititi and they went the right way with Ragnarok. Ragnarok is finally Thor's movie and it's Hemsworth's movie. Yes, agreed. I think with Thor, they struggled a lot. They were trying to go the serious, angsty route. We see that in the first movie. We see that in the second movie. And they could see that it's not working. Mm-hmm. And they were not playing to their lead strengths. Mm-hmm. In, other, in the other franchises in the MCU, they've had directors come back. Whereas with Thor, it's been a different director each movie. Yeah, lack of continuity. Yeah, because they can see that neither of those, the first two movies, the directors didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. Whether it's because of the script or the direction. Yeah. We don't know. So Loki plays this well. He lets Thor keep Mjolnir, lets him think his father's proud of him. This way he can still use him and manipulate him in the future if he needs to. True. And also it makes sense for Loki to not even attempt to touch Mjolnir because immediately Thor would know that that's not him. That's that, oh, that's not Odin. That's a great point. I totally missed that. You're absolutely right. 
Loki would love to have taken Mjolnir from Thor, but he didn't because it would have revealed him. Right. Yeah, so it's a smart move now, but as we will see uh, in Ragnarok, he gets a little too lax over time and starts to let himself go. <laughs> yeah. So we're almost done, people. We're just about there. We've just <laughs> got to get this damn Infinity Stone now to the Collector. Yes. So mid credit scene, Lady Sif and who? Volstag, I think. Yeah, I kind of blacked out on who was next to her. <laughs> you know, there's enough there's enough ink left in that printer for a restraining order for you, too. Considering the amount of stuff you've said, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, so this creep takes custody of the stone. I don't know about creep, that's a weirdo. I'm not sure how much of a difference there is between the two, but all right. Well, I mean, he does have... Actually, yeah, you know what? Yeah, he does have people trapped in those things. So, yeah, okay. Creep Yeah, goes. Yeah, and then we get a post-credit scene that no one cares about with Thor returning to Jane, who isn't actually Jane at all, because that was a reshoot. That's not Natalie Portman. <laughs> if you're wondering why there may have been an actual spark of chemistry here, that is because it's because that is Elsa Pataki, Chris Hemsworth's wife. Mm -hmm. So they have a nice reunion there for a second. And then she is gone, never to be seen again. Till Thor, Love and Thunder. Indeed. And because Taika Waititi was able to convince Natalie Portman to come back, I think they are going to, as they did with Sharon Carter in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think they are going to make up for what was done to Jane. Oh, absolutely. And Yes. Oh, it's over. Do you promise me we will never have to watch this movie again? Well, I certainly will not be watching this movie again. I can't speak for you. No, thank you. <laughs> but what we will be watching, obviously, on June 9th is the Loki series on Disney+. Plus. And here's to hoping the servers don't crash, people, because if they do, I will be in tears. Along with the rest of you. <laughs> yes, indeed. We are certainly looking forward to having fun with Loki. Yeah. And one of the things that comes through in this movie so much and, and in the Avengers, you know, there was a reporter, I forget who it was, but it was somebody who had been on the set of like every Marvel movie, you know? So they'd worked with everyone, they'd seen everybody in their element. And can I get that job? I know, right? And this journalist had said, of all the people, nobody had more fun and enjoyed themselves more playing their character than Hiddleston. Mm -hmm. And that and really shows. comes through. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much hype around this show coming not just from the media, but from within Marvel saying they think this is the best work he's ever done and whatnot. It's killing me. <laughs> I am genuinely concerned for you yeah, at this point. As am I. As am I. I have no one here in my home with me to keep me in check. Yeah, yeah, it concerns me. <laughs> There's no brakes on the car, people. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we say we'll be back on the 14th. <laughs> but if we're not, 
but chances are it might just be me because <laughs> Madam Chris here might, you know, not be capable of words. I shall call it the Chris to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas with Odin, it was a voluntary checkout for me. It is a hormone induced, a hormone induced <laughs> coma. Yeah, I think a coma would be a good choice for you at this point. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For everyone's sanity. So with that said, everyone, we want to hear from you this next week. We've seen so much, but so little really in these trailers. Who do you think we're going to see? Is Lady Loki going to appear? What kind of variants are we dealing with? Are we going to get a wow from Owen Wilson? So many questions. <laughs> we have to get a wow. We do. We just have to get a wow. I think he's contractually obligated to do a wow. <laughs> I think you're right. We hope you enjoyed this first episode of season three, but we do have a little announcement here. So since Wednesdays are the new Fridays, it kind of messed with our plan of yeah. doing Thor the Dark World and Ragnarok. Yeah, and living and living normally scheduled lives. Thanks a lot, Tom. Rearrange <laughs> my whole goddamn life. Well, to be fair, you would rearrange everything for him. I got nothing. <laughs> so boo-hoo, we will not be covering Thor Ragnarok right now. So we'll be back on Monday, June 14th with our first episode covering Loki. And just a reminder to everyone on Twitter, we will be talking about this show on the 9th, the day it releases. So if you don't want spoilers, either mute those tags or just stay off of Twitter till you watch it. It's not that hard. PSA, just stay off the internet. Yeah, there you go. We recommend it. And you might just have to stay off the internet because it might just break. <laughs> Yeah, there might not be an internet to get onto. Yes, if if Hiddleston is either not fully clothed at some point or speaking a foreign language, just forget it. The internet's down for 48 <laughs> hours. <laughs> Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Until then, if you want to chat, find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Marvel Madams. And visit us at themarvelousmadams.com where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. I just realized talking about asses and as God, as God. Yeah. Um, fucking grandmaster makes that joke. Asberg. Remember Asberg, ass place? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, see, with that movie, I completely forgot everything except for Valkyrie and Hela. Yeah. Have you watched that blooper reel yet? No, no. You not need yet. to watch that. Kate Blanchett's hilarious. And she's in a lot mm -hmm. of mocap. Yeah, I know. I know. She looks real good at it. You're, you're going to want to watch that.